Amen. Thank you, folks. Grab your Bibles, turn with me, Psalm chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119, as we continue our look at the Christian character building, specifically looking at maturity. So Psalm 119 is where we'll be. You'll see that here on our title uh, slide this evening. <laughs> Maybe, eventually. Uh, or who knows if it'll continue. Technology has been fun today. I don't think it liked the daylight savings time. And uh, <laughs> I had issues this morning and my own computer, both computers, actually. Uh, so nonetheless. Glad you're here tonight. One other prayer request let me share with you. Do pray for Angie uh, Looney. She has shoulder surgery tomorrow morning too. And so please pray for our sister Angie Looney tomorrow. Surgery, Paula, on Tuesday for her knee surgery. Pray that these would go well. The Lord would just bless in them and help them guide and direct the surgeon and that all uh, good things will come from them if you would. I appreciate that. Children, we have some candy up here. We'll be giving away at the close of the service. It'll be very simple. We'll just ask you a, a simple question about the message this evening as we deal with maturity and so forth. If you remember, a few weeks ago, we I uh, talked about our desire in our heart to encourage teenagers and young people alike to rise up and to begin the process in their teen years of becoming adults. So crucial, uh, that focus on the idea of growing up, maturing, and that does not happen through the privileges granted. It happens through the responsibilities that are given, fulfilling those things. We talked about that, and I think it's so crucial, and we talked about our world and their, uh, their hang-up on uh, celebrating adolescence, a prolonged adolescence adolescence. And so it is. We looked at Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 and Jesus Christ, he grew in wisdom and in stature. We talked about how stature represents maturity there. And uh, it's the idea of growing up not just on the outside, but growing up even on the inside and acting and thinking like an adult should. And, and what we talk about an adult, we're talking about a godly adult who follows God, puts God first. And so, so crucial for children, teenagers to grow into the thinking and acting like a godly adult who follows the word uh, of God. Okay? We, we noted obviously from the life of Christ that one of the means of measurement was the growing in favor with both God and men. And so that's a good estimation, evaluation of, okay, am I maturing as I ought to? Do they treat me like a, a young adult? Do they treat me like a teenager? Do they treat me more like a child because that's how I act? Important question and uh, for us to ask along the way. We, saw, we said and identified, well, there's a problem when, and there's a lack of proper priorities that comes from maturation. In other words, um, when we mature, then it put, helps to order our priorities. That's part of maturing, is ordering our priorities correctly. Um, the roles I have, the responsibilities that come from those roles are of greater priority than my entertainment desires. And that's a, a sure tell sign of maturity, that those responsibilities and the roles that they produce, uh, uh, fulfilling those, following those are more important than my hobbies, my entertainment, whatever the case may be. And uh, uh, we said another measurement, obviously, or uh, the identification of that is putting away those childish things and uh, giving them, making them second bill, putting them on the back burner. They play uh, second place to the roles and responsibilities that I have. And so we kind of concluded that this in this statement, children live for entertainment, mature adults live for fulfillment. Fulfillment of what? Well, fulfillment of the given roles and responsibility that I have been given by God and others. And so a crucial truth to maturation process and how I mature. And I think it's uh, good for us to focus on. So tonight now, I want to share with you, and again, very simple tonight. I know it's a busy night, busy week, and so we won't take too much time this evening. But I do want to challenge you with another way how we can grow in favor with both God and man. So this is obviously for young people and for us as adults to kind of review, am I maintaining? Am I continuing? 
continuing in this, and I think this would be a good challenge for us from God's Word. And uh, young people, can I just encourage you? You ought to have a goal in front of you. You ought to have a focus in life that you want to grow up into a godly young man if you're a young boy. You ought to have, ladies, a desire and a focus and a goal to grow up to be a godly young lady if you're a little girl. That's the ultimate thing, okay? The world wants us to dream of being a great athlete, a great star. In that sense, guys, maybe girls, they, you know, we have this put into us, grow up to be a princess, right? My friend, the best goal is a godly young man and a godly young lady. And have that as a goal and a focus. That's what you want to develop. And so here's a way that you can do that. One of the keys, one of the, the key ingredients to that maturation process. Psalm chapter 119, you probably could quote it. Verse number nine, look at it with, with me if you will. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Okay, so we'll, we'll just put it in simple terms. Number one, you take heed to your, your God's word. Okay, call yourself a Christian, you're a believer. Take heed to your God's God's word. Okay, I understand that's a simple statement, something that we would certainly all identify with and be able to say, yeah, that, that's an obvious thing. But realize that in this familiar verse, it's dealing with the cleansing and purity of one's living. In fact, we can look at the verse and says, say this, how not only can I cleanse my way, but how can I maintain a pure life? And that ought to be our goal. We ought to have a desire throughout life and starting young to maintain a pure life. A life that is pleasing before God, that is free of sin. And so we would say this, a mature person is going to strive to live a pure life. And so, young people, that's a great goal to have. I want to live a pure life. I don't want to be stained and corrupted by the world and and all that Satan throws at me. I, I don't want that. I want to have a pure life, pure in thinking, pure in thought, pure in action, pure in what I do and what I expose myself to. Boy, that is so crucial, friend. And uh, you say, well, that obviously that's a, that's a goal. Yeah, it is, but can I tell you how many people fall from living a pure life in thinking and allowing things in from this world? And and why does that happen so much and so often? Well, I want to tell you this, and I want to be in all honesty to you. Teenagers, listen up. It is not easy to live pure in the world. It's not. It really isn't. It's 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 a tough thing to do because reality is it is an impure world. It's greatly scarred and stained by sin, and it appeals to our lust and our appetite or our old flesh, the sinful flesh. It, it is spiritually dangerous. It's a spiritually dangerous place for souls who are lost. Uh, do you realize in this world there is many a soul that is being lost to eternity in hell in the lake of fire? It's dangerous, this world. It will lead them astray. It's culture, it's rejection of God, the God of this world being Satan. And God has given him some freedom here on earth. And the reality is, man, it's dangerous for the lost. Likewise, it is a dangerous place for those who call themselves disciples of Jesus Christ. It's dangerous. Don't be mistaken. This world is not a friend to Christians. Those who are true disciples of Jesus Christ, those who would live a pure life, it is a dangerous world out there. And I don't say that to scare you, young person. I say that to warn you, to encourage you that if you have that desire, I want to grow up to be a godly, pure young lady. I want to be, grow up to be a godly, pure young man. Boy, my friend, that's, that's a large undertaking. It's a worthy undertaking, a right undertaking. That's a, that's a large undertaking in such a, uh, to live pure in an impure world. 
You see, the fact is this, and reality is, with every step in this world, we risk injuring ourselves spiritually, and in doing so, we can cause pain and suffering, sorrow to ourselves, and at the same time, we hurt the heart of the one who has bought us and saved us and redeemed us, uh, even as we fall into sin in this impure world. See, every time that you and I are impure in thoughts and in action, boy, we hurt ourselves and we hurt our God in heaven. It's a dangerous place. It's a world in which we live, young people, that uh, is not conducive to living a pure life, if we could put it this way. Let me picture it this way as illustration for tonight. We'll follow this illustration all through the message, if you will. Have you ever heard of a place called the Darien Gap? Okay? Maybe, maybe if you who got A's in geography, maybe you did. Okay? The, the Darien Gap is an interesting place. Uh, it's located there in central, uh, northern, uh, uh, or central America, basically, where it is, northern Colombia, lower part of Panama. It's considered to be probably, if not the number one, top three for sure, the most dangerous, deadliest places on the planet. It's right up there with the Congo in Africa and uh, the Amazon rainforest. Those three kind of, depending on what list you look at, those three are considered the most dangerous, the most deadliest places on earth uh, for anybody to be in and so forth. As I said, it it borders uh, Panama to the north, Colombia. It's right on the edge there. You see it in that middle section there between these two uh, countries. What's interesting, people are discouraged from going anywhere near the Darien Gap. In fact, on the Panama side, it's illegal for you to go there unless you have permission from the border police. You have to get permission to even enter it, to go into it. And and what's interesting, it is the only place, and I I think this is kind of interesting, there's a 30,000-mile system of road that connects North America, Central America, and South America. So there is, in essence, one road that goes all the way through. The only place that it is broken is in the Darien Gap. You can kind of see outside where they go by boat. They kind of circumvent that. That's the only place the road doesn't go. In fact, most of the Darien Gap, this area of rainforest, has no roads whatsoever. And uh, very dangerous, very deadly in that sense. And, and uh, uh, people go around it, they avoid it, and so forth. So the question, uh, certainly you're probably thinking is, well, why is it so dangerous? Well, obviously, with no roads and everything else, it's a very rugged, dangerous uh, terrain. If you lose your focus as you're hiking, climbing, whatever the case may be, you can easily, it can easily claim your life uh, in that way. Number two, as you can imagine, being a rainforest, it's infested with lethal and dangerous animals of every kind. Some of those are the poison tree frogs, the, the painful fire ants, the deadly fertilant, uh snake, uh, the poisonous scorpions, jaguars. One of my favorite, the bot flies that actually lay uh, eggs underneath your skin. That's wonderful, isn't it? Wild pigs and other animals you just don't want to meet. Amen. It's full of those. And uh, there have been deaths that have happened in there because of different ones of those animals and so forth. It's also home to uh, particularly one uh, tree, the chunga palm, and other obviously hostile palms and trees, uh, or plants and trees. The chunga palm is kind of interesting. If you ever see a picture, I meant to get a picture up there, I did not. But it actually has spines that stick out from it. And not, not only is it bad enough that it's a palm tree that has, like, uh, I mean, long uh, little prickers, not little prickers, but long <laughs> things that stick out. But actually, there's bacteria on it. So add insult to injury. You, get, you, you put your hand on there, you get stabbed, and at the same time, you get bacteria in your body. And so you can get very sick from it and so forth. And so uh, it has different kinds of plants that are dangerous in that sense and, and so forth. So those, and if that isn't bad enough, the animals, the plants, and the trees, it is a well-known hangout of many criminals. 
drug smugglers, human traffickers, fugitives from many countries run there because you know why? They know the law is not going to pursue them there. So dangerous and so deadly. And uh, I can't help but think of our missionaries, Matt Smith and his family, that just went to Columbia. Amen. Hopefully they don't go to the Deering Gap for vacation. Anyway, uh, nonetheless, it's a dangerous place. Very deadly in that sense. A lot of threats and so forth. In fact, uh, these groups of people, guerrilla groups are there too, uh, para, paramilitary groups and so forth. They prey upon tourists. They prey upon even the indigenous people there, the small villages, and uh, anyone who ventures into the Darien Gap. Okay? Obviously, not surprisingly, it's one of the least visited places on earth. <laughs> Rightfully so, you say, right? Amen. Okay, well, let's just say for a moment, okay? Let's just say that we're, you had to go there. Let's say we were going to drop you off and let's make it fun. Let's say we said, hey, we're going to take an emissions trip to the Daring Gap. And we're going to drop you on the edge and there you are. <laughs> It'll be fun, right? Everybody sign up, amen? <laughs> Yeah, let's say that was the case. Let's say we're, we're just going to drop you. Now, if you were going to be dropped there on the edge of the Daring Gap, there's got to be at least one thing that you say, okay, uh, if we're going to do this, I need to have it. It's a dangerous place. It's a deadly place. I, there's one thing that we have to have. Well, we aren't going to make it through. We need it. You say, what's that? Well, reality is this. At the very least, you would want a guide. You'd want someone, a person that has been to the forest and knows the forest inside and out. Maybe they've grown up there. They know every species of plant and every species of animal. They know how to avoid them and what to do to placate them, the animals, so they won't attack. Uh, they know inside and out what you can eat, what you cannot eat, what will kill you, what will poison you, what uh, will sustain you. They, they know it inside and out. They're a person that uh, has walked the trails. They've made it through back and forth time and time again. Not only have they been there, but they've survived there and uh, they've flourished in it. That's the kind of guide that you would want. Not only did they survive, but they thrived. You'd want a, a guide who could tell you exactly what you needed to know to survive your time there and to stay clear of danger. You'd want someone who could tell you exactly uh, what to avoid and what not to touch, where to step, where to walk, what area to not, uh, to not go or to avoid. But one more thing is even more important than that. Yes, it would be good to have a guide. And I think I froze, Brother Ron, again. Sure did. So one more thing would be just as important, here we go, uh, having that guide. And it's a key to your survival. If you want to turn your time in the Darien Gap into a vacation instead of the last trip you'll ever take, it's simple as this, and we'll go to the next click, if you will. You heed that guide. You heed it. Now, that's an interesting thought and reality to it, because you can have a great guide, and yet if the guide tells you don't touch that, touch that, eat that, don't eat that, go there, don't go there, and gives you all the instructions that you need to survive, the key is this. He can have all the knowledge in the world, but it will do you no good unless you heed it. It will end up being the last trip you take. That dangerous and uh, deadly place will claim you, if we could put it that way. You see... Early on, we all learned what it means to heed, didn't we? Young people, you learned this. There was probably a time in your life that you <laughs> were about to touch something that is hot that you should not have touched. There's something else that could have hurt you. You were going to reach out your hand and touch that. Or maybe you were close to a cliff or an edge and you started walking toward it. And all of a sudden, mom or dad says, stop. And immediately you withdraw your hand if you were going to touch something like that. Or you were walking that way. You stop in your tracks. 
and maybe mom and dad say, come here, come back here. And you came and you ran back to the safety of that. Now, can I tell you, in that moment, don't miss it, young person. In that moment, mom and dad were your guide. They gave you instruction based upon the knowledge that they have. And the key was, it's only going to benefit you if you heed it. Now, I've seen a young person, I've seen a child who their mom or dad, they were about to touch something they ought not to that could have hurt them, and mom and dad say, no, child looks back at mom and dad, and guess what? They do that. And there's been some of us that have seen a child, ah, and the the flesh and mom and dad want to say, well, I told you so. What did you expect? If you don't heed the guide, it doesn't help you. It's good to have a guide, but unless you listen to a guide, hey, it's not going to help you. You've got to take heed to it. You've got to listen to it. Uh, to, to heed it is exactly what you did. And it's simply this, to follow it. Let it instruct you. The knowledge and the guidance of the guide instruct your thinking, your acting, and your decision-making. That's heeding it. So as we look at our verse here and we understand what it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? In other words, how shall I maintain a pure life? How can I cleanse it even maybe when I fall off, but but I just want to maintain a pure life. How do I do that? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. I let it instruct my thinking and my action, my decision making. God's word has that kind of impact and priority in my life, if we might put it that way. You see, you want to survive? Now look up this way, young person. You want to survive this world, this dangerous world, this world that is spiritually dangerous, that is an impure world? You want to survive and live a pure life? Listen to your guide. Follow the guidebook that he has provided. See, you have to take heed to the guide that has been given you. He, <laughs> he created this world. He knows it inside and out. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? That God in heaven, as our guide, he says, listen, I've created this world. I know what it is. I know what it's like. If you'll just listen to me, I'll guide you through this very dangerous and deadly place. You just heed my word. You you follow my word. You listen to me explicitly. Do this. Do that. Don't do that. Don't do this. If you'll follow me, I'll get you through. And he's been here, he's created, he knows it inside out, and he has given us the knowledge of this place. Everything we need, know what to do, what to touch, what to avoid, where to go, where not to go, how to proceed, and it's all in this guidebook that he has left us. And this guidebook, the Bible, is just as reliable as the guide that gave it to us. My friends, I am thankful for the many who have gone on before us who have followed his guidebook and have followed the guide and my friend they have made it through this world safely and securely and i'm grateful for that i'm thankful for those who've gone before us and have lived a pure life certainly it's not the idea of being without sin but they have kept short accounts and they have avoided sin for the most part and praise be unto god for that yeah how do you do that were they some great spiritual person not really they just live by the grace of god in the guidebook of god and you can do that too I hate it when someone says, well, I just couldn't help myself. And they get into sin, they, they get into impurity, and they don't guard their heart, they don't guard their mind, they don't heed God's word. I, 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 there's just no way, there's nothing that I, I could do to, to avoid it. Yes, there is. Follow the guide in the guidebook. Follow it. Heed it, as the Bible puts here, as, our, as the psalmist puts it before us. You see, uh, as we heed the guide in his guidebook, you know, it's kind of like when I think of that Darien Gap. 
One of the animals in that Darien Gap that, that is most dangerous is uh, the jaguar. And uh, it's, or the, yeah, the jaguar. Kind of interesting as you think about the jaguar. Boy, it, it's a, it is a great hunter and uh, it's smaller in relative size. Many people look at it, uh, compare it to its relatives, the lion and the tiger. And, uh, it's small. It is. It's smaller, but it actually has a stronger jaw than any other animal like it, any of the cat, any of its relatives. And uh, uh, its ability to jump and pounce is tremendous. And so you can imagine as it goes to, I don't know about you, but if I was hiking through a rainforest and I hear a little twig break, that'd be a little scary, wouldn't it? And maybe you look out into the rainforest and you see the spots or the, uh, the, the coat of that jaguar. Oh, man. And you know, uh, that's not fun. I'd rather be the hunter than the hunted. Amen. And so uh, you can imagine what that would be like, and, and that has happened there. In fact, I, I read stories about a jaguar. They, 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 they love to hunt, then jump and pounce on the prey and break its neck. But anyway, we won't go into all that. But it has been known to jump at a human in a boat and knock the human out of the boat to, in order to attack the human and things there and so forth. And so you think about it as if uh, there in that Darien Gap, it's, uh, it's known well for watching its prey, stalking its prey. And uh, waiting for the prey to make a misstep, to kind of get out from a protected, maybe a, a, a baby animal, a child animal, that it's waiting for that young to get away from the mama and the father, unprotected place, so that it could pounce on them, seize the opportunity. Just one of the dangers of that place. And yet that's a spiritual danger in this world too, isn't it? But when I think of this jaguar, I can't, I can't help but think of the scripture that tells you and I, our enemy is like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. In this case, we could say like a jaguar. So we're in a dangerous place. We're in the world like we are in a rainforest, and there's a jaguar out there, and he's just kind of watching. He's waiting for us to take a misstep, to get off the beaten path, to, to leave the, what the guide and the guidebook has told us and instructed us, and expecting and hoping us to deviate from that so that the, he can seize the opportunity to jump on us. That is our enemy. Not only is it tough that we're going through a dangerous and deadly world, but the fact is we have a dangerous and deadly enemy. Uh, His intentions are what? To devour us. He's waiting for unbelievers and believers alike to make a mistake. For the unbelievers, you know what that is? Every unbeliever that ignores completely the guide, God, in his guidebook, the Bible, my friend, guess what? Satan will devour them. He will deceive them. He will leave them. He will send things in their life to devour them spiritually, to ruin both this life and the life to come. For the believer, you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to leave the safety of the guide in the guidebook. He wants to do the exact opposite of what this verse says. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Yeah, boy, if he can get you away from God's word, if he can get you to deviate from heeding that, he knows he, got your, he has you right where he wants you. And he wants to devour us. It's interesting that psalmist kind of picks up on that. Look at verse number 10, if you will, with me of the passage. Notice what he says. With my whole heart, we spoke to that a little bit this morning, and I think that's crucial. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Note this statement. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Man, that's a great statement, isn't it? It literally saying, hey, don't let me wander. Don't let me get astray afar from there. No, no, I mean... Uh, parents, you're ever in a place, or maybe a department store or something like that, and, and all of a sudden you look down and the little kid that was next to you is no longer there. 
And they strayed off. They wondered, like, oh, no, where is so-and-so? And, and boy, that fear just kind of grips you, and that panic because, uh-oh, what happens when we wonder? Nothing good, typically, amen? So you can wonder, and danger can happen, and things can happen. And can I tell you, the psalmist was realizing, man, I'm like in the middle of a, a dangerous and deadly place, this world, and if I wonder from the commands of God, the Scriptures, the guidebook, the guide, if I wonder just a little bit, what's the fear? Well, it's simple. Because to do so makes me easy prey for the enemy. See, that's easy. You can imagine a jaguar is just sitting there licking his lips, if he has lips, and uh, he's waiting for somebody going through that forest to get off the beaten path, to get away from the guide and the guidebook, to get out and into a place of less protection. And boy, he's going to pounce. He's going to jump and attack and seize the opportunity and attempt to devour. That's a strong word. Our enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he is. And so the psalmist says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Don't let me, don't let me stray. Don't let me wander from that. And young person, can I tell you right now, you, wanna, you ask Pastor Ian, what's the safest way to live a pure life, an abundant life, to have happiness and joy, to make it through with as few scars as I can? Stick close to the book. Follow the commands. Heed God's word day in and day out. Man, let it be that light that shines on your path that gives direction to your feet. That's what the psalmist challenges you and I about. My friend, can I tell you this? How, do, how does Satan want to get us away from the guide in the guidebook? So if he's seeking whom he may devour, he does some things to get us away from God's word. Okay, And it involves God's Word. Number one, I want you to see this. And we'll just look at a couple and we'll be done tonight. Uh, take heed to God's Word. Number one, here's how he uh, attempts to devour us. He tries to distract us from God's Word. He tries to distract from God's Word. Let me give you a simple illustration here. Okay, There is much beauty in the rainforest, isn't there? I mean, if you think, you've seen pictures of the rainforest, there's beautiful plants, and there's beautiful animals even, and so forth. Yeah, beautiful terrain. I, I love the terrain even of a rainforest and things. We got to get into the edge of one uh, before in some missions trips and walk through some, and, and uh, I was actually doing a zip line. This was kind of a fun story. My wife and I were uh, with our youth group. We were in Costa Rica, and we had gone to the edge of a rainforest, and we were doing a zip line. We tried to do something fun, at least one thing fun with the youth group, and we were doing zip lines high in the trees and everything else and so we're doing this and you go from platform to platform in fact i think my wife was uh eric was pregnant at that time and so i don't think she was actually on the, the zip lines yeah uh so she was down on the floor the ground where it was safe we were high up in these trees and we were going from line to line and i remember we were sending you know, groups as you can imagine a zip line and going from line to line and so forth and so you'd wait in your harness i'm standing there we had a young lady here from our youth group another one and a guy young man from our youth group and all of a sudden the platform under us falls we're high in a tree in the, in the rainforest, and it just collapses under us. <laughs> I'm grabbing the tree. I'm grabbing kids. We're trying to hang on. Thankfully, our harnesses were there, too, and it, it slanted and so forth. And, and I like the guys. You all right? <laughs> My life. And I, I couldn't go back home if these kids didn't survive, you know. And I'm like, this is not good, friend. And he's just like, okay. I'm like, my goodness. So uh, lesson learned, never going to zipline in a rainforest. Amen. Nonetheless, I've experienced, I've been in rainforest. I love the beauty of that. I've gone in hikes, as we've said, and it's a beautiful place. But one thing needs to be remembered. 
some things can be very beautiful, but also very deadly. And I'll tell you, young person, listen to me. Mom and dad, this preacher, your Sunday school teacher, uh, your youth pastor, we'll get up and we'll tell you how, how the world is dangerous and deadly, but I'll tell you, you'll walk outside these doors, you'll turn on your phone, you'll get on your computer, you'll go live in the world, and you'll think, ah, it's not that bad. It looks okay. Be careful. Because you know what Satan loves to do? He loves to distract you from God's word by making the world in all that it offers beautiful makes it look good makes it look alluring well it can't be something too bad with that that can't be all that bad i don't know why that preacher goes on about that i don't know why mom and dad won't let me try that and satan is working on you to distract you from the word of god from heeding it my friend be careful some things can look beautiful but also can be very deadly in the darien gap specifically in the rainforest there's an animal called the golden poison frog it's actually a rather cute frog, if you think frogs are cute. Very colorful, for sure. You could say that. It's found in Colombia. In fact, there's not a whole lot of them left. One account I read was about 5,000 left. So there's not a ton left, and some want to protect it. I don't know why you'd protect a poison frog. But anyway, they want to protect it, okay? Nonetheless, they are out there. They are in the wild and so forth. And what's amazing about this golden poison frog, though it is beautiful, one frog contains enough toxic poison to kill 13 full-grown men or two full-sized bull elephants instantly. In fact, I read a story about uh, the natives were, were talking about the frog, and one of them had talked about when they were go hunting, used their darts, and they shot at a bird, the dart missed, it fell down, hit one of their own, killed them instantly. Because you natives would take these frogs, they take the darts, and very carefully they would rub them on the back. That's where it secretes the toxin and uh, where it secretes the poison. They rub the darts, the edge of the dart on that, and then they would use them for hunting. In fact, when guns came along, the indigenous people stopped using them because it was too dangerous. Their own hunters were dying because they'd accidentally touched the frog themselves on the back or they touched the dart, whatever the case may be, and so they switched over to guns and so forth there. Why? Because the toxin's so dangerous. Literally, if you just reach out and touch it, you can get the toxin, you can absorb it into your, your, uh, your pores, and you can die from it. It's a beautiful frog. I mean, yeah, before you know that, some of you are like, oh, now you're like, ugh. <laughs> Why? I don't get anywhere near it. It's a dangerous thing. Can we put it this way? That beauty is certainly deceptive, isn't it? Yeah, it it kind of lures you in. Isn't that a cute little frog? But it distracts, now don't miss it. It distracts from the danger it holds. See, that's what Satan wants. He wants you and I to look at the world. Oh, that's, that's a cute little frog. And boy, devil wants us to touch the world. And boy, guess what happens? Before we know it, we are in trouble. It has affected us. And yet, if we, if we just heed God's word, See, distract us. Wait, 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 wait. What does the guidebook say? Uh-oh, be careful. Uh, be in the world, but not of the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Now, okay, that's what the, so I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere near it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to allow it to, to, uh, to uh, corrupt me. That is certainly the instruction and not only what this psalmist is saying. Be careful. Heed God's word. Uh, don't let that beauty deceive you. You see, your enemy works hard at making dangerous things in this world beautiful and alluring. Wanting us to come and to touch it to indulge in it, to enjoy it, all while it destroys us spiritually. You see, it takes maturity 
to heed the word of God and avoid these things of the world because the devil wants to make it look so good and it distracts from the warning of God's book. Don't miss that, okay? It's a maturity. We're talking about young people growing up and maturing in Christ, favor with God and man. One of the keys to that is, you know what? I'm not going to get deceived. I'm not going to fall for the beauty of the world. No matter how good Satan makes it look, and he has my friends talk about it, and he makes it look good on television, and, and, and the things that I see doesn't seem too bad. Don't fall for it. Instead, heed God's word. That's maturity. I said, I'm not going to touch that. God's word says no. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how how enticing it is. I'm not going to touch it. You say, how do we combat that distraction? Because, I mean, that's tough, isn't it? I I can just imagine you're walking through a rainforest. You see something beautiful over there. I'm going to go look at it up close. No, don't do that. Stay on the path. Stay and listen to the guide in his guidebook. You know, in life, how do we do that? How do we keep and combat being distracted? The psalmist answers. Look at verses 15 and 16 of the passage with me. Notice what he says. He says this, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Now, this is a great little statement that he gives us. We've been talking about, and we even alluded to this morning, the saturation with God's Word, that meditation, Psalm chapter 1, on God's Word. Here's what he says here. You want to combat being distracted from God's Word, being distracted by Satan and the beauty of this world? Number one, you meditate upon God's Word, then you respect it. What does respect mean? You hold it in highest regards. If God's Word says it, that settles it. Okay, so you know what sometimes we do, uh, and, and I've seen people do this with, you know, somebody says, oh, you don't want to eat that, that's, oh, but then it looks so good, and they go and they eat it, like, oh, that's terrible, well, I told you, it looks good, yes, you know, sometimes with sin, the devil sure does make sin look good, and God says, hey, don't touch that, that's going to affect you, that's going to hurt you, don't do that, don't think like that, Christian, don't do that, what's the harm in it, it's not that bad, it looks pretty good to me, and then, boy, we go and try it and taste it, and guess what, we hurt ourselves, we cause ourselves problems, and certainly it proves to be dangerous, so if you respect God's word, you hold it in the highest regards, if it says it, that settles it, I'm going to follow it and heed it, then, I like it, he says this, you delight in it. It is really your greatest source of joy and pleasure. You know, one of the ways you do that, and I think this is so true, okay? What do you do? What's your response when you have a bad day? Okay? We can go round and round if we have bad days or not. I preach messages on it and so forth. This is the day the Lord hath made. We rejoice and be glad in it. Certainly, I get that. But maybe when life has thrown everything at you in one day, Amen. When, when things have just been overwhelming, and boy, you've just, it's been a tough day at the very least. You may call it bad, whatever. It's just a tough, bad day, and boy, you just feel overwhelmed. What is your coping mechanism? How do you cope with it? That's a modern term. How do, how do, you, how do you deal with it? How do you address it and so forth? Do you open God's Word and read it? Do you pray? Is that your coping mechanism? Is that how you handle it? Boy, when things aren't going right and things didn't go well at home and they didn't go well at work, they didn't go well at school and at the youth group activity or this here, how do you, you sit around, you mope, you whine, you complain, you get on the phone, you complain about it, or you post on social media, I hate all people. I hate my work. How do you cope? You know what the psalmist says? I get back to delighting in what brings me joy. 
That's God's word. That staying close to him and staying in line with God. This is my coping mechanism with everything that happens in life. And my goodness, you know what Satan likes to do? He likes to offer us a bunch of counterfeit coping mechanisms. I mean, it can be food. It can be friendships. It can be things of this world, entertainment. It can get my mind off it and everything. Listen, my friend, if you're going to get your mind off of bad things that are happening, get it onto something good, God's word. That's the best distraction there is. Yet, it's not a distraction. You know what it is? It's a medicine. See, getting in God's word and walking with him will help you face everything life throws at you. I like that. He says, delight in it. You delight in it. And then he says, I love the great statement, right? Don't forget it. Don't forget it. And to me, that's the key. This is really, uh, I like formulas. You know that. I like things that build up. So if you meditate on God's word, if you then in turn respect it, you hold us in highest priority, if you delight in it, which then ensures that you won't forget it. Because if you delight in it, you're not going to forget it. This is too important. I like this. And, and boy, I'm delighted. It brings me joy. I'm not going to forget it. If you don't forget God's word, here's good truth. You'll never get distracted from it. You won't get distracted. And then if you're not distracted, guess what Satan can't do? He can't devour you. Because he wants to devour you. And how does he devour you? He distracts you from this. He gets you away from it and gets your mind off it so you don't heed it by the beauty of this world or by the harshness of life. He'll distract you and get you off of it so that you don't heed God's word. But my friend, you can combat that by meditating in it, respecting God's word, delighting in it, and don't forget it. Boy, when you do those things, he's not going to be able to distract you from it. If you will, last but not least, notice that Satan also does, in order to devour us, he not only distracts us from God's word, but he tries to distort it. He tries to distort it. We saw this in the Garden of Eden where he, he likes to take what God says and twist it and change it. He, he likes to cast doubt on little parts of it, impartiality. Uh, it's like uh, I would compare it to this. Have you ever been hiking with somebody and uh, maybe the path isn't clearly de- delineated? And let's say, let's say we were hiking through the rainforest and we come up to a, a fork in the road and, or a fork at the path and we're like, oh man, there's two different ways. You say, okay, Mr. Guide, which way should we go? Should we take the left or the right? And let's say the guide or the guidebook says, hey, you should go to the right. That's the best thing. I, I've been hiking many times, and I remember a few times when I was with my friends, and, and the, 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 the path was not marked very well. And we came up to those, and you maybe take a vote and so forth. You look at the map, hoping to figure out which way is the right way. Well, let's say we had the guide there. The guide says, hey, it says we need to go right. That's the correct path. But somebody in our group speaks up. Well, I think the left side looks better. It looks easier. In fact, I think it's going a a better direction. I I just like the looks of it. And you turn around and you ask this guy, why do you think that? Have you ever been here? Nope. Have Have you ever hiked this? Have you looked at a map? Nope. So let me get this straight. The guy says go to the right, but you're here saying go to the left. Yep. Why? Because I just feel like it's better. It just looks better. Now you and I were like, that's crazy. Ain't no way I'm going to follow him. In fact, we may just to get rid of him say, okay, you go there. We'll follow you, quote, unquote. Fingers, to, okay, anyway. You go right ahead. I ain't following you. I'm following the, the guide says to go this way. May I tell you, listen to me. The devil is in your life and in my life. God says go right. Guess what? He's the joker that says go left. 
He's the guy distorting, hey, changing it. Say, no, 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 that's not, I don't think that's all right. Yeah, we need to go this way, but we need to go left instead of going right at the fork of a head. He's the guy, uh, he, he's uh, the know-it-all that questions everything the authority says. But his is out of evil intentions to see you and I devoured in this world. And so he'll distort it. He'll just change it. He'll cause a little doubt in, in us. Beware. Listen, Satan's going to use other people and uh, other things in your life and in mine and in this world to distort the Word of God in our thinking, to question it, to change it, to doubt it, and to ultimately loosen, to loose our hold on it. That's really what he wants to do. He'll distort God's Word so much, and, and maybe even some little ways, in such a way that you and I will loosen our hold on it. How do we combat that, this, this uh, ploy by Satan to distort it so he can devour us? Well, look with me at verse 11, if you will. The last verse we'll look at. Verse 11, he says this, uh, even more familiar one probably, right? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Great verse. We would equate the hiding of God's word. Uh, it indicates certainly an intimate knowledge and familiarity with it. It it's builds on verses 15 and 16, that meditating, that respecting, that delighting, that not forgetting. And if we do that, that in turn helps us to not uh, forget it, but to hide it in our hearts. And what's the importance of this? And don't miss it, we'll be done. You see, when I hide it in my heart, young person, would you get this? Why do we memorize verses on a Sunday night? Why do we memorize them in Christian school and in Sunday school? Why, why do we memorize verses? Why do we commit it to memory? Why do we hide God's word in our heart? Because the fact is this, when we can hide it in our heart, I can easily resist Satan and disprove the distortion because I know in my heart what is right. See, my heart is in tune to the very word of God. And if I have hidden God's word in my heart, boy, when he comes to distort it, you know what he can say? That doesn't sound quite right. Have you ever had me, mom and dad, have you ever had your, your child say something astronomical out of the law? Oh, this and this and this. And you're like, I don't think that's quite right. Like your child comes home and I think the world is square. I don't think that's quite right. I think the world is flat. I don't think that's quite right. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. It's funny, kids have that ability to come home and just throw it. And you're like, no, 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 wait, I know that's not true. Well, the reality is this. You know what? Satan every day comes to you and I, and he tries to say that this sin's okay. This thought is okay. And you and I, if we've hid God's word in our heart, we can look at it and Satan and say, no, I don't think that's quite right. I, I don't think that's what God would want. I don't think that's going to please God, that action and that thought. That is the, the, the crucial part of why we hide God's word in my heart. Doesn't it say that? That I might not sin against thee. Uh, that, that doesn't sound right, my old flesh. And sometimes Satan likes to use the old flesh to get me to do something, say something, think something that is not right. But boy, if I have hid God's word in my heart, there is no fear of God's word being distorted because the moment Satan's distortion comes up, that doesn't sound right. I'm not going to follow that and heed that. I'm going to follow and heed God's word. May I tell you, friend, that is a sign of spiritual maturity. Where we have committed God's word to our heart, we have hidden it there so that when Satan comes to try to distort it, no way. Not going to happen. I'm not going to follow it. You see, this is the maturity that every young person needs to gain. 
Young people, teenager, we as adults need to maintain it. Young people, you need to gain it. It's an important part of taking heed to God's word. And it's understanding that Satan wants to both distract us from God's word and distort it in our thinking. Why? He wants to devour you. I hope you will remember that image of the jaguar. Just think, you know what? That devil's like that. Tomorrow morning when I walk up, there's going to be like a jaguar outside my door. Not really. Don't get scared. But there is one spiritually. His name is Satan. And my friend, he is seeking whom he may devour. Pastor Henry, how is he going to do that? He's going to do that by distracting you from God's word. He's going to do that by distorting it in your thinking. To get you not to heed it. But here's the good news. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? How will he live a pure life? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Friend, are you doing it? Beware. It is a sign of maturity. But that enemy will not go away until the day you and I were with our Savior. He's out there. Beware. Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful for the challenge that we have heard tonight. And Lord, grateful for the reminder and yet the challenge, Lord, of how crucial it is for us to take heed into your word, to hide it in our lives, to meditate upon it, to respect it, to delight in it. And Father, to not forget it. I pray each of our young people, each of our adults, everyone here, everyone watching via live streaming would commit to this verse. Uh, Lord, I pray our young people would understand that one of the great signs of maturity, how they can mature into a godly young man, a godly young lady, is by taking heed according to thy word. May they see the, uh, the crucialness of doing such. Father, may they also be reminded time and time again that this world is a dangerous place. That us in attempting to live pure in an impure world, boy, we need you as our guide, and we need your guidebook, and we need to heed it, and we need to hide it in our hearts. Help us to do that this week. Father, I pray tomorrow morning as each one of us lift our heads from our pillows, may we be reminded that we have an enemy out there that is ready to devour us. But my Father, I'm so grateful that you have given us your wisdom, your guidebook to guide us through the day tomorrow in safety, to be secure and free. Father, I'm so thankful that you, devour, you <laughs> deliver us from the enemy that seeks to devour us every day. Thank you for doing that. Help us now this week to walk in a way that pleases you, to walk in fellowship with you, to walk in, in meditation of your word. May we hide it, may we heed it, may we not wonder from it in any way. Father, bless our young people. Help them to grow up in close proximity and, Lord, just rooted and grounded in your word. Help them to daily make it a point to heed your word. Father, may we as parents encourage them to do so. As a church, may we encourage one another, provoke one another unto this good work. And may you gain the glory and the honor from it. Father, we are grateful for today. We're grateful for a great time in your house. And Lord, thank you for speaking to us and working our midst. Father, we pray that you'd be with all the preparation. Bless the meetings to follow. Bless all the preparations this week as we look ahead to the Wild Game Dinner. We pray that your hand would be in it and upon it. And Lord, we pray that you would bring souls into the kingdom this Saturday. We pray there would be people who come to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because they are exposed to the gospel message. Father, in others, we pray that the seed would be planted. In others, the seed will be watered, that someday down the road, there will be a great harvest of souls because of it. Lord, may your hand be upon it. May you bless it. Lord, we pray for Miss Angie Looney. We pray for her surgery tomorrow, that that would go well. Guide and direct the surgeon. Be with Miss Paula on Tuesday. We pray that you'd guide and direct the surgeon, help her recovery to go well. Help there not to be any complications with either of those surgeries. And Father, we pray for Brother Josh, that you would help him to feel 
better even this moment. We pray on Tuesday as he goes to get his test that he would pass, there would be no issues, that he'd be able to get home quickly and safely. Father, just undertake on his behalf according to your will. Lord, we are grateful for how good you are to us and what a great God we serve. Help us to serve you this week. Help us to be faithful to you as you are faithful to us. Father, we love you so very much. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. You join me in standing. We'll sing a song of dismissal. Pastor Aaron will come and lead us. I appreciate so much you being here tonight. And uh, we look forward to being back on Wednesday, Patch and Pee Wee Youth Group, and our study in Jude here in the auditorium in our prayer time. Hope you can join us for that. Hope you have a great week walking with the Lord. And may you and I heed his word this week. Let's sing together. Pastor Aaron comes to lead us. Page 177 in your hymn books. 177. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 177. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path away, to guide and to save me from sin, and show me the heavenly way. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee, that I might